Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 12th, 2022. It is currently 9.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, we are going to be doing something that I love to do. I love when people email me and I get a chance to respond. I like when I receive an email putting forth a theological perspective or asking me theological questions or asking me questions about a Bible or asking me questions in relation to the Bible study exercise series that we do. But I love to get those emails. Whenever I get the emails, I always try to tell you, you kind of drive this car, you drive this ship. You really are, because whenever you email me, typically, typically your email will move to the top of my stack of stuff and I'll try to get to it. This particular email, it took a while to get to the front. Uh, There were so many other things we needed to do today, but here it is. I made sure I made time. When I'm doing this, please note, it's really fake because this is a blank sheet of paper, <laughs> All right? So I want you, we're going to be looking at an email, but who prints out email in 2022? No one. It's actually, the email is here on my iPad, but see, see if, does this get the same dramatic effect? <laughs> does that, can you hear that? <laughs> that's, that's tapping on a screen. See, that doesn't have the same dramatic impact as here it is hot, hot off the printer, right, right here. You know, that, that, that just seems to be more exciting, right? But I typically, I love the emails because, and here's the reason why, if you may send in, you may be hesitant to send an email because you'll be like, well, he probably already gets that question or what, but you'll, you'll, you'll be, it's, it's so weird. Like sometimes I can go for a while and not get an email. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 get a number of them. But you may think that it's a question that everyone has asked, but in many cases, a lot of people have the exact same question. They just don't take the time to email. Now, a lot of people will try to engage in the YouTube comment section. That's always hard to know exactly because usually, you know, in a in a comment section on YouTube, sometimes it's hard to just really get a good vibe of like what, what they're trying to get across. I think sometimes in emails, they, the people take a little bit more time to explain everything. So you kind of get an idea of what you're dealing with. But however you communicate, I greatly appreciate it. And, and, and I guarantee you, whatever question you have, there's hundreds of other people who have the exact same question. All right. So. Before I read the email, before we get anything in anywhere near the email, we're going to have to deal with something here, okay? And I need you to put your thinking caps on. I need you to put your thinking caps on. Because sadly, what we're going to be talking about, it. Before I, I don't even want to hint at it. So let me, let me say, state it this way. Sadly, I'm going to say sadly. Or it's it's discouraging, it's disappointing to me. Maybe it's not to you, but one of the things that has always been disappointing and discouraging to me about the Christian world, maybe you've experienced this, maybe I'm the only one, but the Christian world doesn't seem to do very well when, when tough questions are asked, when someone expresses doubt or confusion or skepticism, or frustration, or anger about things related to the Bible, or God, or Christianity, Christians seem to, their first response seems to always be defensive. I'll notice this even in my preaching, because a lot of times I will I will have a text of scripture, and I'll be like, well, look, this story just makes no sense. This just seems confusing. And immediately, instead of people going, well, you know what? You're right. It does seem confusing. This does seem difficult. I almost immediately get a pushback, and someone, even sometimes within the congregation, will want to raise their hand and go, no, 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 it's not real. And they will just immediately trying to start argue to defend it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 calm down. It's going to be okay, all right? God and the Bible can handle frustration, confusion, doubt, and questioning. 
If God is true, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God, he can handle a little bit of doubt and confusion. If the Bible is the word of God, infallible, inspired, it's perfectly okay for us to read it and go, mm, I, I don't know about that. And, and listen, it's also okay to be honest. Sometimes Christians are like, I'm supposed to read it. No matter what the story is, I'm just supposed to say, well, praise Jesus. It's just a wonderful story. It's Instead of going, man, this bothers me. I don't like this. People are like, you're not supposed to say that. Why? I stopped being a human being. I stopped having feelings and emotions become a, uh, because I'm become a Christian and I'm just supposed to repeat the, the, the company line. I'm just supposed to repeat what I'm told to say. No, I'm a real human being engaging the Bible. And these stories at times are difficult and troubling. And there's lots of issues that sometimes isn't very pleasant. And it doesn't mean that we have to get so upset and get so mad and get so angry. It's like, just, just calm down. Can we just discuss it? We don't, it's like, we always have to come running to the defense of it. We don't always have to come run to the defense of it. Let people struggle. Let people try to figure out, let people question. It's like, we're like, no, listen, stop, 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 stop. Here's the three answers. Boom. I just gave you the apologetic. If you continue to doubt, you're probably not saved. It's like, calm down, everyone. Calm down. So we're going to be talking about some things that you're going to initially want to just immediately start arguing and go, no, 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 no. That's not the way it is. It's okay. Calm down. That's all I'm asking you. And, and I'm going to make a point here. And a lot of people are not going to like this. The Bible never promises that the truths found within Scripture are always going to be philosophically satisfying, are always going to be pleasant, and we're always going to like where the truth of Scripture takes us. What we have a tendency to do if we don't like it, if it's not philosophically satisfying, if we feel that it's, it goes against our human understanding of fairness, we immediately will reject a doctrine and a theology simply because we don't like it. The Bible has never said, hey, here's the truth and you're going to like it and you're going to it. You're just going to have, you know, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. No, sometimes the truth can be very un unsatisfying from a philosophical standpoint. Sometimes the truth can be very not, can be very unpleasant. And, and we just have to be willing to accept that. It's just like, we think we have to come in and like, okay, wait a minute. I don't like that in the Bible. All right. We got to, we got to try to, we got to try to clean that up. We got to try to polish that. So it doesn't seem so rough or it doesn't seem so difficult or it doesn't seem, no, that's not what we're called to do. We are called to accept what is there and and whether we like it or not, no, it's not that we're called to come in and, and try to just clean it all up to make it pleasant for everyone. And as that's, not, that's definitely not what we are called to do. We, we've been, well, there, there are so many different directions I can go, but I'm just going to leave it with those particular concepts there, okay? We don't have to defend everything. And the Bible never promises that all the truth is going to be philosophically satisfying. It's always going to be pleasant and we're always going to like it. It, it doesn't in any way, shape or form give us, it, 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 there's nothing there that should make us think that way. Now I say all of that because there is an issue that always raises, that raises, it should raise question in the minds of everyone, but Christians tend to get very defensive of. And here is the way it goes. I don't know if you've realized it or not. But if you look around your world, you're going to see pain, suffering, murder, rape, sexual abuse of children, starvation, plague, storms, disaster, tragedy, horrible diseases, murder, kidnapping, theft, we can go on and on and on and on and on physical assault. We could just we could just list all the things we see in the world every day. I'm recording this on Tuesday, April the twelfth, twenty twenty two. If I just go pull up some, uh, I'll just right here in uh, New York, New York City subway shooting. 
suspect unmasked, gas tanks, axe, gun, at least 29 people injured. Okay, that's just the headlines right here on this Tuesday, April the 12th, 2022 at 9.13 p.m. There was this horrible attack that occurred in, in New York City in the subway. Uh, just a horrible, horrible tragedy, horrible, horrible event unfolded, and people were talking about it all day. I can just go from story after story. We know what's happening in the Ukraine. Horrible, horrible things are taking place there. I just I could go from news story after news story. So everyone is aware, every non-Christian and Christian alike, we are all aware that there is pain and suffering happening within the world right now as we speak. We, we are all painfully aware of that. Christians feel, many Christians feel, that they have to, in a sense, succumb to some kind of, I've got to defend God, right? I've got to defend God. I've got to find some way to make sure God is, 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 in a sense, off the hook for all of these things, that we get him off the hook. Like, he's been hooked by all of this horrible stuff, and we've got to remove him from that hook, and we've got to defend him. And so many Christians have come up with every kind of theory and every kind of idea, but in many cases, it re- they're really not good ideas. They're really not even good, good excuses. Really, they're not even good explanations. But people try, and I always appreciate when people try. Hopefully, this discussion about someone's attempt to try to, to explain this pain and suffering in the world, hopefully the p- person who sent me the email will be willing to at least hear my engagement with their perspective. I'm not here really to say your perspective is right or wrong. I'm just going to try to challenge you to consider your perspective in light of all of theology and everything we find in the Bible. Now, where I'm going to lead you, I guarantee it's not going to be philosophically satisfying. You're not going to like it. But the issue is, is that where we have to go? So, so we'll, we'll get to this. This will all make sense in just a minute. All right, so here we go. I'm getting notifications from Major League Baseball. All right, here we go. This was sent to me via our pod page. I'm, gr- I'm glad someone used the pod page in the contact form because we, we pay, what, about $25 a month for that pod page. So I'm glad people are using it. And uh, here is what I received. I have a theory on why God allows bad things to happen. All right. Now, just so that you know in theology, there are some drastically different perspectives on even the very first thing said here in this email. All right. When it comes to things happening, does God, is God simply allowing things to happen or does God decree everything that occurs? This gets into God's providence. You could read like, I'll just, uh, I'll give you an example. Let me go to London Baptist. I'm going to go to London Baptist Confession of 1689. The London Baptist Confession of 1689. I'm going to go to... Uh, Let's see, I'm going to go to chapter three, God's decree. All right. Here's uh, the 1689 Baptist Confession, chapter three of God's decree. Paragraph one, God hath decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, all things whatsoever comes to pass. This clearly states that God decrees whatsoever comes to pass. Others are like, absolutely not. That is horrible. If you say God decrees everything that comes to pass, then you're saying he's the author of sin. That cannot be. Now, if you go on and read the rest of this, they go on to say uh, in the London Baptist Confession of Faith, yet, so he decrees whatsoever comes to pass, yet, so as thereby is God neither the author of sin, nor hath fellowship with any therein. So they, even though they believe God decrees everything comes to pass, they say that they do not believe God is the author of sin. So it'd be very unfair to say that someone who believes God decrees everything that comes to pass believes God is the author of sin because they don't actually believe that. Now, you may argue that their explanation of how he's not the author of sin isn't 
sufficient explanation, that's one thing. Just don't accuse them of believing something that they themselves deny. You can say, well, you deny you believe it, but here's the reason it falls apart. Okay, that's fine. But I just want you to just see, I don't want to get into an entire discussion about God's decrees right here, but what I want you to see is that if you simply say God allows things to happen, just know that within the history of Christianity, that there's been, I think in many cases, a very long history of those not believing God simply allows things to happen, but he decrees whatever comes to pass. So you got to, let's go with this two concepts. You have the concept that God decrees everything, and then you've got the concept that God that God decrees the good things, but only allows the bad things. And then maybe you have a view, and I'm just going, I'm just trying to make this simple. I'm not trying to necessarily explain every theological system, but let's just try to break this down for three possibilities. God decrees everything that happens, good and bad. God decrees the good, but allows the bad. And God neither decrees the good nor the bad. He simply allows everything to happen. All right, we'll just go with three possibilities. All right, just just stay with me. You'll see why. So I just want to make sure that, that we immediately establish that not everyone believes God is simply allowing things to happen. But let's let's read this again. So the email reads, I quote, I have a theory on why God allows bad things to happen. Our God is a semi-non-interventionist, right? They define God as being a God as a non-interventionist. In other words, he does not intervene or he's a semi-non-interventionist. He intervenes sometimes, but most of the time he doesn't. Now we got to stop right here. This is very difficult to say unless we define intervening as meaning that he intervenes in a visible, supernatural way, which we perceive. Because it could be possible God is intervening all the time, but we do not perceive it. We do not see it. That he's intervening, let's say this, uh, under ordinary means. What appears to be ordinary is God intervening. Right? Like it's, it's, it's hard to say when we say that God is a, a non-interventionist, we've got to just make sure we define what we mean by intervening, right? If, just because we don't, just because it's not the parting of the Red Sea, just because it's not the plagues of Exodus, just because it's not, you know, walking on water, just because it's not something dramatic doesn't necessarily mean God is not intervening. It just means he may be intervening not in such a dramatic, external, supernatural way. So he still could be intervening, but okay. So their their theory is that our God is a semi-non-interventionist. Although God has intervened at times, in most cases, he allows free will to prevail. Oh boy. All right, here we go. And I'm saying, oh boy, because this, because I know that no matter what I say, I'm, it's like, it's a trap. It's a trap. I'm walking into a trap because no matter what I I say here, I'm going to make everyone mad. So a couple of things. First, this email begins with the idea, with a theological perspective that God simply allows bad things to happen, that he does not decree them. So already we're, we've got to try to define all of these theological systems. And now secondly, he just spoke of free will as being an absolute, that people have free will. Now, I would assume the person doesn't truly believe that people have free will. Right? I don't think anyone truly believes people have free will. If you do, you have to go all the way back to Pelagius, and you're going to have to believe that there can be sinless, perfect people, even without salvation, even without God, because people's will are, is completely free. So anyone, the unregenerate, the lost, can freely choose to never sin. Now, if you say, no, 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 people cannot just stop sinning, well, then that means the will isn't free. So if you say people have free will, 
You have to see, we have to, you're just making a dogmatic assertion that everyone has free will. And I would have to ask you, do you truly believe in free will? Because if you do, you are Pelagius. You are Pelagian holding to the teachings of Pelagius. And I believe Pelagi the Pelagian heresy is one of the great heresies of the early church, and it was condemned as heresy, right? Then we could get to really, well, I could, we could go through the whole history. We won't do that now. So I would ask you this. When you say free will, do you truly believe that human beings have com complete libertarian free will? If you say yes, then you believe that human beings, no need for God, no need for Jesus, no need for the Holy Spirit, that they freely on their own can choose to obey all of God's laws and to never sin. If you say they cannot do that, that means the will is not free. Now, I've seen people say they believe that people can freely be sinless and freely never sin and obey all of God's law. I've seen people say that, but it only usually takes me five or 10 minutes to demonstrate that they themselves can't even do it. And if we can just freely obey God and freely stop sinning, then why do we need Jesus? Why would Jesus have to come? All he would have to say, obey me and you have eternal life. Why do I need Jesus to die for me? Because all of us are born completely free and we can just freely obey God. What's the point of needing Jesus? I need Jesus because I cannot obey God. I need Jesus because I cannot stop sinning. Therefore, I need a salvation that's by grace alone because of grace alone, faith alone, and because of Christ alone. And then I need a righteousness that is not my own, but that is imputed to me because I can never stop sinning. I will always sin because I have a sinful nature. So when you say free will, how free is that will? Now, the minute you start limiting the free will, then you deny the doctrine of free will. And then now where are we? So, okay, but so, so already we have to establish this, right? But, but again, well, I know I'm getting myself in a, see, even just mentioning this, I'm already going to get people mad at me. That's okay. But he says, in most cases, he allows free will to prevail. So God is a semi-non-interventionist. And what he basically does is he sits back and he lets people's free will prevail. He just lets their free will prevail, right? Now, he works through us and allows the Holy Spirit to guide us to help others. Unfortunately, many miss the calling because they don't understand it. Then they said, let me know if my theology on semi-non-interventionists is on point. I truly love to listen to your thoughts, and I love your passion. Well, thank you so much for emailing me. I really do, and I love the I love the spirit in which it was written. Like some people would write and just immediately try to at attack or debate. And they're just like, here's my perspective. What do you think about it? Very humble, very godly. And even though we may have a massive disagreement here theologically, I greatly respect the spirit in which it was sent. I didn't feel like it was an attack or an argument. It was just really godly and put forth. And I wish, I wish all Christians, I wish we could do that more. Just even though we may disagree that we can, we can be passionate, but be humble about it. So I'm going to do my best to try to work this through. Okay. So we have this approach that either, let me go through these again, that God allows good uh, or God allows bad, but decrees good. We have some that would say God decrees everything. And we have some who say, well, God just allows everything good or bad. All right. So there's that already that perspective. And now we have this idea, well, bad things happen simply because God allows free will to prevail. Now, this gets into the discussion about how free man's will really is. We'll set that aside. That goes all the way back to the debate between Augustine and Pelagius. You can read about the Pelagian debate. We, I did a number of messages about the Pelagian heresy, um, the, Canon of Dort, uh, the Canons of Dort from the Synod of Dort. We, we, I've talked about Pelagian, Pelagian doctrine multiple times, the 18 points of Pelagian doctrine 
before. So if I need to, I'll do that again. So, but we're going to set aside the free will. Thi- well, no, we're not going to set aside. We're going to say, we're, I'm going to go along with you and say this, right? Here's what I'm going to do. Because I always try to do this. Whenever I may have a disagreement, I try to always start by agreeing with those I disagree with. Then take their perspective to its logical course, its logical conclusion, and see where we end up. So here's what we're going to do. All right. So let's go with this idea. Here's God. Let's go with the idea that he simply allows things to happen. He simply allows them to happen. All right. He's not decreeing anything. He just allows things to happen. We're not even going to get into anything about God's decree. God is simply allowing things to transpire. All right. Let's go with that. Let's go with the second concept that God has given man complete free will. And that God, instead of intervening, he allows free will to play out. So he allows everything to happen. He's given people complete free will. And he simply doesn't intervene only ever once in a while. But for the most part, he just allows free will to play itself out. So in this particular case, the way this would look like is God really is not He's not really to be blamed for anything. He's just kind of sitting back. He's allowing everything to happen. He's giving people perfectly free will, and he's just letting that free will play out, and he's he's rarely intervening. All right, let's go with that concept. Do we end up, is that philosophically satisfying? Does that that, that make everyone feel better? Because it, it seems to kind of make God not responsible for anything. Does it make you feel better? For some people, it will. But here's where I think the problem begins. All right, are you ready? I'm going to read it. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Let's stop right here. All right, so before we get to what God allows, before we get to man's free will, before we get to God taking a semi-interventionist perspective, before we do any of that, we go all the way back to the beginning, and there is God. Now, let me ask you some questions about this God. This God, who was there at the beginning, is this God all-knowing? Does he know every single thing that's going to occur from the beginning all the way to the end? Does he know all things actual and even all things possible? Is this an all-knowing God? If you say yes, You're about to walk into a major problem. If you say no, you're literally destroying the deity of God. If God is not all-knowing, then why would we even refer to him as a God? He would be less than a God, right? So is this God all-knowing? Second, is this God omnipresent? Present everywhere at all time. Therefore, he's, he's wherever anything's going to happen, he's present in some way, shape, or form. Number three, is he all-powerful? Is this God all-powerful? All is this God all-knowing? And is this God all-present everywhere at all times, right? In other words, is he omniscient? Is he omnipotent? And is he omnipresent, if we use the more theological terms, all right? Okay, well, <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good point. That's a good, uh, uh, someone in chat is asking, is making a, a good point, but I, I, I will have to get there later on. Okay, right now I gotta, I gotta build this. So let's just go back. So in the beginning, we have a God. We would have, I think even scripture would make us declare that this God is all powerful, all knowing and present everywhere at all times. Now, at this point, here's this God. So that means before he does anything, he knows everything that's going to take place. Not only does he know everything that's going to take place, he has the power to stop whatever would take place. And not only does he have the power, he's going to be present every place where things happen. All right, now, here we go. In the beginning, God creates. And he creates the world. And we know he creates, ultimately, uh, he creates Adam. Then from the rib, from his rib, he brings forth Eve, right? And then from them, the human race. So in a sense, God is the beginning of the human race. Now, once he creates humans, before he creates, before we even get to Adam and Eve, remember, he also created Oh, what? Satan. Yes. He created this angelic being. 
Now, he, as the minute he created this angelic being, he knew that angelic being was going to do what? Was going to rebel. Now, the minute that angelic being rebels, he could have destroyed the angelic being. He could have destroyed him, thrown him into the pit, locked him up forever, but he does not. He allows that angelic being to come to earth. And then he allows access into the garden. Now, some people will say the fall takes place in the garden, wherever he knows what this angelic being is going to do. And he allows him to come in and use the serpent to tempt the woman. He knows before he created the woman exactly what the woman is going to do. She's going to sin. And then she's going to give the fruit to her husband who's going to sin. Now, at that moment, you've got Satan who has sinned. You've got Adam who have sinned. You've got Eve who have sinned. And because of that sin, well, the whole of creation is about to be impacted. Now, at that moment, God could easily get rid of Adam and Eve because the wages of sin is death. He could get rid, get rid of Satan and just stop everything. But he knew before he created exactly what was going to happen, but he does not. He does not intervene. Now, you could argue, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's just allowing their free will. But who gave them the free will. Adam and Eve would definitely have had free will. If you're going to talk about anyone having libertarian free will, it would have been Adam and Eve because they did not have a sinful nature. They had complete freedom, right? They were not corrupted by sin in any way, shape, or form. But he knew exactly what they were going to do. He gave them that freedom knowing they were going to use that freedom to sin, and yet he let them do that. Now, you can't say, well, well, this was not a part of God's plan. If it wasn't a part of God's plan, then why did he do it? Why did he allow it? By allowing it, he's clearly involved in it because he could have stopped it. Now, the minute they sin, sin enters into the world. Now, he knows exactly what's going to happen when sin enters into the world. He knows that there's going to be murder. There's going to be every kind of horrible thing. And it gets so bad that he wipes out everybody on the face of the earth except for Noah and his family. Even then, he knows exactly when the boat lands, when the boat rests on dry land and they get out, he knows immediately Noah's going to get drunk, Noah's going to take off all of his clothes, and something bad, you can see our previous uh, episode, is going to happen inside that tent. There's curse, and then there's sin, 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 all, all, just sin, 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 death, 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 death. He knows. Here we are in 2022, still sin, death, sin. Now you can say, well, God, God, if let's go with your idea that people have free will. Well, who gave them the free will? God. Now, if God is the one giving the free will, he's, he's involved. He gave them the very thing that he knows they were going to use for sin. You don't get God so magically off the hook. All right. Uh, and uh, someone says, if it wasn't part of his plan, that destroys his om omnipotence and his omniscience. Yes. If it wasn't a part of his plan, then, then things are happening that God is not even in control of. Like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Well, then he wouldn't know all things. As long as he knows all things, you have to acknowledge that all of this somehow is a part of his plan. The fact that he doesn't intervene. You say, well, he can't intervene because he would be taking away free will. He's the one who gave them free will. So why would he give them free will knowing all of the pain and suffering was going to occur? Well, then you people will try to say, well, because he needed people to love him of their own free will. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> you're, now you're going to say God needed something? But that doesn't work. He's perfect. And he has a perfect relationship within the, the Trinity, right? One God, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that becomes problematic. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, saying that he's a semi-interventionist because he's simply allowing free will to, to play out, you, you basically have a God then that's just like, okay, guys, uh, I'm going to create everything and then we're just going to see what happens. But he already knew what was going to happen. So even if you say that he's just allowing it, 
The allowing it, knowing what's going to happen is in a roundabout way, decreeing it, right? If I know exactly what's going to happen, right? I know exactly what's going to happen. Let's say I know without a shadow of a doubt. Let's say I know absolute certainty that this is going to happen and I know what's going to happen and I allow it to happen. The fact that I knew it was going to happen before it happened and did nothing to stop it in a roundabout way is decreeing it. It's, it's a letting it take place. Therefore, I, I'm willing it to happen in some way, shape, or form. You can try to find all of the philosophical ways around it, but God is still involved and God is still responsible. He's responsible because he created everything knowing exactly what was going to take place. He created Satan knowing exactly what Satan was going to do. He created Adam and Eve knowing exactly what they were going to do. He, 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 everything that's happened, he knows exactly what he's going to do. So the semi-intervention or non-interventionist, uh, doesn't it, it 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 doesn't really answer the question it may answer i i do agree let me state it this way i do agree that in most cases god is a non-interventionist he lets things happen but he's letting things by the fact that he's letting them happen would have to be somehow a part of his plan his sovereign decree because he could obviously stop it he can obviously stop whenever he wants when Abram lied and Sarai ended up with another man, he intervened in those situations to protect her. He did not intervene to protect Hagar. There, there's times he, he, he intervened to save Lot and his family. He did not intervene to stop Lot's daughters from having an incestual relationship with their father. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. There's times he would intervene and times he does not. Well, the fact that he can, but he doesn't always, then you have to understand the times that he don't, it's a, somehow a part of his plan. Somehow it's a part of his plan. You, it, there's just no way around. You can come up, look, you can still maintain people, people have free will. Okay, who gave him free will? God. Did God know what they were going to do with that free will? Yes. It's a, so therefore, he gave them free will, knowing exactly what they were going to do and did nothing to stop it. You can't say, well, it, it's God's, God's not involved. You, you, how, the old, the, listen, this is where you're going to end up. And I'm not speaking specifically of this person who emailed me. I'm saying in general, if you follow this path of, of thinking, you'll end up with basically an open theism, which denies God knowing all things. You're going to have to, you're going to have to take away his omniscience. You may even have to call into question his omnipotence. You may have to qu call into question his uh, omnipresence. Before long, God is just, he's like, God just, I don't know what happened. I created this and everything just spiraled out of control and I can't stop it. Well, the, the fact that he can't stop it would, well, that means he's not omnipotent. And if he didn't know what was going to happen, well, then he's not omniscient. You, you literally, before you're left with, you're left with le something less than God. You're left with a, a guy who had a little bit of power and he created, but he had no clue what was going on. He didn't even have wisdom. He lost control of it all. Now, people don't like this because it makes them very uncomfortable. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't say that. You can't say that. It's not, this has nothing to do with me. This doesn't have anything to do with Calvinism. This has nothing to do with reform theology. This has everything to do with this. In the beginning, God, stop, define that God. Is that God all-knowing? Yes. Is that God omnipresent? Yes. Is that God all-powerful? Yes. My problems start right there. I try to tell my, I teach my church this all the time. When we're there in Romans dealing with election and foreknowledge and predestination, I always tell them, the problems did not start in Romans 8. The problem should have started the, the first time you picked up a Bible and you read, in the beginning, God. Your first question should have been, who is this God? And if you start studying the rest of the Bible about God and you're like, well, he's omnipresent, he's all powerful, he's all knowing, okay, then you already know what's going to happen after creation because you're living it, right? So as soon as I read, and in, in the beginning, God, right? Um, uh, uh, in the beginning, God, and the next words, 
created, the next words created. When I read the Bible and it says in the beginning, God, I immediately want to go, no, 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 don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I just want to start yelling. Don't do the next thing. Don't do the next thing. Stop. In the beginning, God, leave it there. You don't want to do the next thing because the next thing is creation. And I know what happens from that point on. I know. I've experienced the pain, the suffering. I've experienced the sin. I've seen the failure, the heartache, the depression. the dis- I've seen everything in this life over and over and over and over play out in front of my eyes. I've seen the cancer. I've seen the disease. I've seen the broken marriages. I've seen the, the abuse. I, I've witnessed, seen it, the addiction, the drugs, the alcohol, all the horrible things that make up human existence. But I have to know that if God created Somehow, and I don't have to answer how. I can't answer how. It's a part of his plan. I don't even have to go full-blown. He decreed everything to take place. I don't even have to go there because I just know the fact that he knew what was going to happen. Then it's there. Like, I, I, I don't, everyone wants to turn this into a Calvinist, Arminian debate. It, just throw out all of those term terminology. It starts with, do you believe there's a God? Yes. Do you believe that God's all powerful? Yes. Do you believe that God is all knowing? Yes. Do you believe that God is omnipresent? Yes. Okay. Well, then why is there all of this horrible stuff in the world? And people feel like free will that answers it. Who gave them free will? God. God knew exactly what was going to happen. Yes? Yes. Does not God bear some responsibility? If I take a loaded gun and give it to a child and that child harms himself, do you not think there may be legal ramifications on me for neglect, for giving the child the loaded gun? God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise. Here's this thing that everyone thinks is the answer. Free will. Here it is. Okay, let's say he gives every, I do believe Adam and Eve had free will because they weren't sinners. Okay, but after them, everyone is born a sinner. Therefore, they're not completely free. Everyone has to acknowledge that. But here's free will. Now, I'm going to just sit back and let them use free will. And all of these horrible things are going to happen. And I'm going to take the approach of a semi-non-interventionist. Uh, semi God bears no responsibility? All of this is happening and it's going against God's plan, God's purpose, God's will. Before long, you have a you have a, a a God who's just lost control of everything. You've got a God who seems unable. You have a God whose will can't occur. Everything God wills isn't happening. I, I, I will for this not to happen. Well, but it all keeps happening. So then God, God is the most frustrated God in the history of, of everything. That, that's, that's the issue. I like the idea of trying to explain that he's a semi non-interventionist, but here's the thing. We don't need to explain why this is so important. I don't have to explain why God isn't involved. I don't have to. Because the Bible doesn't require me to explain it. My, the Bible just says, here's what we know. I'll give you the example from the book of Job. All right, let's just go from the book of Job. All right, everyone looks at the book of Job. Some people think it's a wonderful story. The story is so absolutely disturbing to me on so many levels, okay? And I know people get mad when I say that, but it is disturbing. So, so here's Job, perfect, upright, godly person. Seems like a wonderful guy. He's got a wonderful family. Everything seems to be going great. All of a sudden, one day in heaven, there's God. Satan comes there and God's like, hey, have you considered my servant Job? No, wait a minute. Who just set the whole thing up? God just set the whole thing up. He knows the minute when he says, have you considered my servant Job? He knows what Satan is going to answer before he even asks the question. So then Satan is like, oh, yeah, your servant Job, yeah, the only reason he serves you is because you protect him. You remove all the protection and I'll, I'll show you how much he's going to serve you. God knows exactly what's going to happen. He's like, okay. And he says, go do it. 
He lets him do it. He's not, you can say, well, he's allowing it, but he set the whole thing up. It has to be a part of God's plan. They're suffering, they're suffering, they're suffering, they're suffering, they're suffering, they're suffering. Job doesn't know what's going on. He wishes he was never born. There's death. It's just a horrible, horrible, horrible story. Finally, you get close to the end. Job is like, I've got about 900 questions for you, God. He asks his questions and God's like, okay, who, who is this person who doesn't know what he's talking about? Let me ask you some questions. Then he hits Job with one question after another question after another question. Job can't answer. And guess what? Job is never given an explanation that all of this was a part of God's plan. It's more than he just allowed it. He set it all up. He knew before the creation of the world that Job would be this man and that the very angel, the angelic being that he created, Satan, would be used to just make Job suffer in horrific ways. You can't say, well, God just allowed it. He set it up. He orchestrated it. He orchestrated it. Now, please note, if you look at the London Baptist Confession of Faith and some Reformed confessions, they would say this is an this is an example of using secondary means. In other words, God is not the one who inflicted the suffering. He uses Satan to inflict the suffering. So God is not necessarily the author of the of the uh, of it. He's he simply he used a secondary means to to and, and, and for this to happen. But that's still still problematic. It's still not a great answer because God is the one who created Satan. God is the one who orchestrated it. So no matter what you do, it's difficult. Now, some people, this bothers them and they want to give up on God and say, I'm done. Okay, well, give up on God. Guess what? Still going to have pain. Still going to have suffering. Still going to have death. Still going to have all the horrible, tragic things. One, you have no moral ground. You don't have, a, you don't have any true morality in which to say if something is evil or wrong. So there's problem number one. Problem number two, now it's just all random chance. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. I don't understand why God does what he does. I don't have any explanation to it, but at least I can believe God is involved and somehow it's a part of his plan. So even if you say free will, even if you say God simply allows, and if you simply say that God allows this free will to unfold, because he takes a semi-non-interventionist role. Well, let's make it very clear. First of all, he was very, he intervened directly to start everything, creation. So he intervened from the beginning, knowing everything was going to take place. So the initial cause of everything is God because he created Satan. He created Adam and Eve. He knew the sin was going to happen. He allowed sin to occur. And then he allowed all the pain and suffering to happen ever since. So even if God, even if you try to take a semi non-interventionist role, well, he still started everything. And even if you believe in complete 100% libertarian free will, God is the one who gave the free will knowing how everything was going to play out. So is everything playing out and God can't control it? Is everything playing out and God didn't know it? Is everything playing out and God is not present? Now, I've heard all of the attempts in apologetics to try to answer. I see, here's what happens. Typically, Christians are trying to answer these tough questions where I tend to just say, there's no answer. All of the answers are just, they, they make Christians feel better. They try to make Christians feel better. The, did God attempt to make Job feel better for all of his suffering? Hey, you can't answer any of the questions. I'm God, you're not. Accept what happened. That's basically how it plays out. Now, I'm not saying that's how we go to people who are suffering. All we can do for people who are suffering is love them and and suffer with them, showing empathy. I know, I guess we're not supposed to do that anymore as Christians. That's a whole different debate. Okay, but empathy and just sometimes just shut up and don't say anything because all of our little bumper sticker slogans don't answer anything. Hey, hey, God, you know, all all things work together for good. Okay, well, if all things work together for good, then God has to be involved in everything that's taking place, right? 
You can't have God's off the hook. He's he's not involved. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. God's going to make it all work out. He's going to well either he's involved or he's not involved. It's like we want like it's almost like this is how it, it looks. It's like God God God's sitting in heaven. He turns his back and he's like, "Wait, what just happened? Oh no. That's horrible. I didn't want that to happen. Oh, I didn't mean for any of that to happen, but I'll intervene now and make it all work together for good." It it doesn't work that way, all right? Doesn't work that way. I I, I I I say I always I always hate these discussions because when I get to this point, I feel like they're like I need to say about fifty more things, but I can't say fifty more things because there's no easy answer for any of this. See, I don't believe that there has to be an easy answer. I, I I believe that when we think we Christians believe there has to be an easy answer. There isn't one. You say, well, well, well how are lost people? What are they going to do if they hear this? Well, at least we're being honest. Would you want to give me some, what do you want to give me some fraudulent, fake philosophical answer that really is, is a non-answer? Because no matter what you say, I still have Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. God is right there, and then he creates everything, knowing exactly what was going to transpire. And if I believe that God is giving prophecy about what's going to happen, he's got to be involved in that. If I believe that God works in all things, well, then he has to be involved in that. So, like, on one hand, we want God to be involved, but on the other hand, we don't want God to be involved. Because we don't want God to be involved too much. Because if he's involved too much, it makes us philosophically uncomfortable. Do you think Job was philosophically comfortable? He didn't get one answer. Why do we think we deserve an answer? Why do you think there's a simple answer? It's like God created everyone. It's like, oh, wait, like who gave them free will? I didn't, or I didn't, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't authorize that. Oh man, well, they've got free will now. Okay, I'm just going to let that play out. It, no, he's the one who gave it, so clearly he's involved. So even, I just want to make sure you understand, even if you don't believe that God decrees it, right? even if, you, if that makes you uncomfortable, God's sitting back, setting it all up, watching it unfold, doing nothing about it, and allowing it to happen, if he's not decreeing it, he's letting it happen, so it still has to be somehow a part of his plan. I mean, there's just no easy way around this. And and, and I've heard all of the explanations, been taught many of the explanations in seminary, and they all usually fall apart. If you just keep asking questions, the plans fall apart. My view is God is God. And everything that happens, he knew was going to happen. He's present and he does have the power to do as he wills. Why he doesn't, I don't know. And I'm not, I don't have to, I don't have an answer. He didn't give Job an answer. So he didn't give me an answer. And I do know this. I do know this. Let me find it really quick. Um, Let's see here. Yes, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him. Forget predestination because everybody wants to run to Calvinism. But just notice this, speaking of God, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God works out all things for his will and his glory, not to my philosophical satisfaction, not even to my philosophical comfort. That's, that would be my challenge 
not to your semi-interventionist point of view, because I agree with you that God clearly is a semi-interventionist in a practical sense, in the sense that he doesn't intervene in a supernatural divine way where we see it all the time. He may be intervening in a million ways I don't know, but I'm saying he doesn't intervene like parting the Red Sea every day or raising someone from the dead or healing the sick. Clearly, we don't always see that. All right, so I agree that he's a semi-interventionist. I just think that the simply saying that he's just letting free will play out he, he he's the one who set up the entire situation. So God is still, in a sense, involved and responsible in certain ways, if that makes sense. I would still, I would challenge you on the free will and simply allowing things to take place. Because allowing, if God is the one doing the allowing, then it, he's decreeing it. He's, I mean, hey, what's getting ready to happen here? Oh, that's getting ready to happen. Okay, I'll allow it. Wait. You could have stopped it. So that, that means you had to, yeah, it has to be a part of my sovereign plan. There's just almost, it's impossible to get around that unless you destroy God. All right. Um, uh, two, I'll make two, I'm going to read two comments here because they're really good. Uh, someone said, but if God is allowing it, doesn't that make him still in charge of our free will? Yeah, if he's allowing it, like he's giving you the free will and he's allowing you to do what you do then he's, he's, a, he's in a sense saying, okay, here's your free will, and I'm going to allow you to do that. I'm going to allow you to do that. Well, because at any point he could step in. Or, or are you saying that once he gave you a free will, he couldn't stop it? Still, he's the one who gave you the free will to start with. Uh, if it wasn't part of his plan, then that destroys his omnipotence and omniscience. Yes, if, if it's not a part of his plan, then things are happening that God didn't want to happen. Which, how do you work? How do you, then, then is God, uh, yeah, that destroys God from being God. All right. I don't know if there's going to be any other comments. Let me look here in all of the different places where people communicate with me. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. I think we have someone using an Android, I think, here. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, so for the person having problems, if you're having problems with church one, uh, okay, let me see. So some people are having problems because the sermons 2.0 app, uh, crashes all the time. Like if they're on the app and they go to something else, it crashes. Um, Spreaker app. Yes. Uh, someone is suggesting the Spreaker app is a great list is gr a great listening on the go. If you have the ability to do that, you can jump in on live chat on Spreaker too. And uh, Church One, I don't know if the Church One does that, uh, if the Church One app may, may crash on you as well. It seems to be something with Android users. It may be something with Android users who, uh, if you're an Android user and every time you leave the app, it crashes. Let me, let me tell you what to do. One, look for a contact us um, on Sermon Audio uh, on their website and, and contact them and tell them it's crashing or... If you, if you, if you may be able to go to the app store where they, for the sermons 2.0 app or the church one app and simply say, love the app, always start with something positive and then say, I love the app. However, it crashes whenever I, I go away from the app, when I'm listening to something and that will let them know, I would say email and put the comment, uh, the comments under uh, the app uh, for an app review because they, they definitely monitor those app reviews and then give it like a, don't give it a five-star, give it like a three-star uh, because then they'll, they'll get notified that they've received a somewhat critical review and they'll typically re read that quickly. And they need to know that, hey, for Android, this thing's crashing every time it goes away. Now, maybe it's designed to do that, but if they get enough discussion, they can change the design so it doesn't crash every time you go away from it. So definitely please check that out. Just so that what some people do, they download the Church One app, okay, um, and they make sure the notifications are on. That notifies them I'm going live. And then they also have the Spreaker app, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. -E and then they will jump over to Spreaker and listen to me live on Spreaker, which doesn't seem to have those problems even for Android users. Now, the real answer to all of this is get an Apple device, all right? That's the answer to all of the world's problems. 
buy an Apple device, an iPad, get an iPad mini. Even if you can't afford an iPhone, get an iPad mini. That's a little smaller iPad that will should be able to be great for listening to podcasts on. They're, they're, they're still expensive, but a lot cheaper than, you know, a $1,000 iPhone. Um, but, um, or, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, you know, sell some plasma, sell some blood, whatever you need to do, get an I, Apple device, really, because... I think a part of sanctification is owning an Apple. Okay, I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking. But no, it's just funny. It's it's kind of an ongoing joke for new listeners because way back when we even had a, we, we had a standalone app, which I really, really loved, but the company went out of business and then everything fell apart. Um, and it was such a headache getting that standalone app. I don't ever want to have to go through that again. But every single problem that anyone had was always an Android user. Oh, we're not getting notifications, Android user. The app crashes, Android user. This is not working, Android. It was every single day, Android. Apple Apple users, no problem, no problem, no problem. Or if they even had a glitch, just close the app down, reopen it, and problem's gone. Um, so, yeah, so that's all I can say. That's all I can say. So I, that's all I can say. I, I don't know what else to say. I wish I wish I could make uh, it's sometimes frustrating because you wish it could just be one app that would work for everyone. But but I guess that's why we try to put our content on as many apps as possible. Right. That's why we're on the church one sermons 2.0 and Spreaker. I was trying to get us on sermons.net as well, but we had to give up on that uh, endeavor because their platform turns the volume of my microphone to 100 so you can't have your volume to 100 when you're trying to broadcast on different platforms where 100 on those other platforms is just is not working correctly. So, um, yeah, I wish we could. I wish I could have given you the sermons.net app uh, as a, an alternative, but I can't. So Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. When you download Spreaker, you'll need to search for Theology Central and VBC. Right, please do that. You'll need to search for both of those. Make sure you have your notification. The notifications are not great on Spreaker, but have them on. You'll have to. I think you have to put in your email uh, address. Um, I think you have to do that. I don't. It, it's not sent to me, so don't worry about that. And then um, the Church One app is where you get your notifications. Church One is the best notification system, hands down. I wish every app had notifications as good as Church One. Man, they 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 figured out notifications. I mean. They, they're, they're, they're rock stars there. So hopefully, hopefully one of those, uh, hopefully one of those solutions will help you. All right. Okay. I think that's everything. All right. Um, okay. Okay. So, yeah, someone's using a, a Pixel. Yeah, someone's using uh, an Android. Uh, yeah, if uh, so if the, if the ser- new Sermon Audio uh, app is causing you problems, download Spreaker. Download Spreaker. That's, 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 that's a, the best I can offer. Uh, I, hopefully that works. Hopefully that works for you. Hopefully it does. And also know uh, that you can't listen to us live, but if you're just listening to the podcast on demand, also know that we're on every podcasting app you can imagine. We're on Pandora. I'm just giving information for help people out. Pandora, Spotify, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, uh, Pocket Cast, uh, Procast, uh, Radio Republic. I'm trying to think of all, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I mean, every podcast app, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. So if you, if you listen to podcasts on any other app, find us there and subscribe there's another way to listen to us. Not on, not live, but you'll, they, all of our content gets immediately sent there. So if you, if you have a favorite podcast app, as soon as I'm done, tell me how long it takes for it to show up on your podcast app. Some of them, it's instantaneous. Some of them, it's about 30 minutes. Also, we're also available on the Edify Christian Podcast app as well. So, all right, I'll stop there. All right, hopefully, hopefully that's beneficial to everyone. All right, everyone have a great night. Uh, email me, newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com to the person who emailed me. I know that's probably not the answer you wanted, um, but 
like I said, I'm not trying to convince you to change your view on free will, not even trying to convince you to change your uh, view on God allowing things to happen, not even trying to change your view on your semi-non-interventionist view. What I'm trying to show you is that even if you hold to all of that, you still have Genesis 1-1, God, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent, creating, knowing everything that was going to take place. You, you end up, we all end up with the same problem. I don't care what theology you put to try to answer it. We all have the same problem. That's what we, so therefore we, instead of fighting one another, we're all struggling with the same issues, the same thing that makes us all uncomfortable. So that's the thing. We're in it together. We're all going to struggle together to understand. We're like Job. We suffer and we don't understand who, what, where, when, or how. And we're not given the answer. That's why I love Job, at least from that. The story is horrible, but it's really the story of all of us. There's a God. He's working. We have no clue what he's doing. And he doesn't let us know what he's doing. He didn't bother to say, hey, Job, this is the whole reason I did this. No. Job just knows, okay, I suffered. And clearly, if I answer, ask any questions, I get hit with questions I can't answer, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> That's really the story of all of us in a, ra- in a roundabout way. All right, but I'll stop right there. All right, everyone have a great night. God bless.